Diving in, let's dive in. We have a lot to cover. Um, we're here, we started in the parables. We're in Matthew chapter 13, and as we talked last week, uh, Rob was sharing with us about the parables and what the purpose is. And just to recap last week, uh, parables uh, is just literally, the word parable means to cast alongside of. And so uh, when Jesus is, is telling parables, they are stories, spiritual sto uh, stories cast alongside of some sort of truth. And so the idea is to give uh, just a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And obviously, as we try to give analogies and we try to, to picture what the kingdom of heaven is like, eventually all of these illustrations will fall short. But they can give us a little glimpse of what uh, Jesus is trying to convey at this time. And so last week, we talked about the parable of the sower and how uh, the sower is someone who just scatters seeds around, and these seeds represent the gospel. And the gospel, remember, is the good news of that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. And so as he's spreading these seeds, they fall on four different types of soil. Uh, the first soil is the hard ground, and these seeds don't sprout at all. The ground is too hard, and the birds come and pick them up. And this is an analogy, and the ground represents someone who is hardened by sin. Their hearts are hardened by sin. And he hears, but he does not understand. And so Satan plucks the message away. Uh, the second one is stony ground. And it's interesting, as I'm talking about these parables, and these sort of have sort of like an agricultural theme to them, I'm sort of becoming obsessed with my lawn. And... Uh, <laughs> So I'm, I'm a first-time homeowner, and you've seen those progressive commercials where these first-time homeowners turn into their parents, right? You've seen, we've all seen that. That's what's happening at my house. Um, and so I'm pulling weeds. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things. And as we talk about stony ground here, uh, I, was, I was pulling the weeds, some weeds that are growing in, like, the driveway where I got some gravel. And so here it says... Uh, the, the, the stony ground provides enough soil for the seeds to germinate and begin to grow, but because there's no depthness to the soil, the plants do not take room and withered in, in the sun. So the stony mount, uh, soil is a, is a picture of the man who sort of shows interest in the spiritual things, but really it doesn't take root. Now, I was thinking about this as I was pulling weeds out of the stones in, in my driveway, and... I figured they'd be a lot easier uh, to pull out than what, it, what they actually were because of this. And so um, his heart was not changed because there wasn't enough soil there. And then there's the thorny ground, and the thorny ground allows the seeds to grow. Uh, but competing thorns choke out the life of the beneficial plants. The thorny ground depicts one who seems to receive the word, but whose heart is full of riches and pleasures and lusts and things of this world that take his time and attention away from the word of God. And then there's the ground that receives the seed and produces much fruit. And this is good ground, and that portrays the one who understands and receives the word, and then allows the word to accomplish the result in his life. And as you guys can remember last week, um, as we went through that, the sower is a picture of Christ, and he's just spreading the seed of the gospel, and it covers every person. The gospel is for everybody. 
Um, but it's up to us to cultivate the soil of our heart and how are we going to receive that gospel. If you have not, uh, or it's a, it, it comes as a time to evaluate yourself. Are you letting the word of God work into your heart? And so that was last week. And as we head into this week, this is another agricultural reference and we're going to be talking about sowers. And instead of one sower, there's two sowers. Instead of one seed, there's two seeds. And so you sort of have, I, I, I sort of go over that real quick to say, uh, last week was one parable. Forget about it. This is a whole new parable. So let's not try to cross contaminate or sticking with the, the, um, agricultural theme. Let's not cross-pollinate here um, as we go through stuff. And so um, remember that Jesus explained that his use of parables has a two-fold purpose. And the first one is to reveal the truth to those who want to know it. And then to, the second is to conceal the truth from those who are indifferent. And so you see him address the crowds in these parables, and he's giving these deep spiritual insights in these stories. And as they do that, um, the people who are indifferent, everything's just going to fly over their head. But he's gonna, the people who, who want to understand are going to ask him, hey, what did you mean by that? And he's going to take the time to explain it. And so as we look into the Bible, we're going to look at Matthew uh, chapter 13, verse 24 through 30, and that is him sharing this parable. And then in verses, we're going to skip ahead to verse 36 and 43, and that is him actually explaining the parable to his disciples. So let's uh, open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to look at verse 24. And it says this, And Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and the wheat and went away. Then when the wheat sprouted and formed, uh, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until, I hear, uh, until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them up and, uh, in bundles and, burn, and, and to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring them to my barn. Skipping ahead to uh, verse 36, uh, it says, Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seeds is the son of man. The field of the world and the good seeds stand for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil." 
They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of his father. He who has ears, let them hear. And so he, finished, he, he starts out this uh, verse, uh, this, this passage saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, and as I said earlier, this is like a tiny picture of what heaven will be, of what God's kingdom will be one day. And he also ends it saying, he who has ears, let them hear. And so I think that's something that is sort of emphasized saying, hey, what I just said was really important. You might want to pay attention, or I hope you paid attention to this. And so as we break down this, uh, as this parable, we're going to take note of the things uh, that Jesus went on to explain. And so as a man and his, em- and his enemy sow wheat and weeds together in the field. Um, like I said, this is a similar but different parable that from the, the sower that we looked at. Um, here, the seeds and the sower, they just represent different things. And so we have the two sowers. One represents Jesus. The other one represents the devil, Satan, okay? And what they are sowing is the, the seeds and how they are doing it is the sower went into the field first, planted everything, and he planted good seed. And after he did that, by the cover of night, the enemy came in and sowed weeds. Now, I have the perfect illustration for this. Uh, there was a friend of mine um, several years ago, this is while I was very early in high school. Uh, it was towards the end of his high school career, so this is like late 90s. And um, you guys, under, rivalries go between schools and high schools and stuff, and there was this rivalry. And my friend had this idea to plant turnips into the football field of our rivals. <laughs> And the idea with that is that they would take root and then they would just sort of spread and, like, and you couldn't control them. That was sort of the idea of planting turnips in, in their football field. And as I was reading through this, the story just came into my mind. And my friend is a per- perfect representation of the devil in this story. <laughs> and so he had this elaborate plan. He found the seeds He brought them out of state. He didn't want to be traced or anything, so he had someone pick them up out of state to bring the seeds in. Um, Not only that, the the football field was along the interstate. And so what he did is, uh, weeks before, he found some some shirts of the opposing team, and he went into the stadium on the track and would run around the track scouting the best way to get in. And so as this football field was on the interstate, they figured... Well, we're going to go at night, and we are going to go in a van and pretend the van has a flat tire. And so they pulled off at, at night at the interstate, got out, started changing a tire, while one person would, they found a weak spot in the fence while they were scouting around, lift up, they would crawl under, do what they had to do, plant the turnip seeds in the field, and they came back, and the tire was done, and they got in, and Everything was done. Thankfully, the turnip seeds did not take root. <laughs> but as we talk about the, what's going on here, this is a great example of, just, of, of what happened with the evil sower. 
Um, the, the way that, that the evil sower came in was very sneaky, and he just tries to disrupt the owner's field. He sneaks in while no one's watching, and by the time uh, anybody can notice what happened, it's too late to do anything about it. The weeds have already started to sprout. And so we are adversaries with a person who's very sneaky as well. The Bible says the devil uh, roars around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Um, going back to Africa, and I know this is, uh, but the idea of a lion roaring around, you can be out at night and this massive animal can sneak up on you and you have no idea. It also shows that the hatred the enemy has for the owner of the field because by doing this, by planting the weeds, the enemy gains nothing. The only thing he gains from sowing weeds in the field is the satisfaction of causing damage to the owner. Going back to my friend's example, there was going to be, there's no return on planting turnips in the football field of the rival except to know that they have to replace their whole entire football field. Fast forward a few years, it's now artificial turf. Um, I, I don't think there's a spiritual application to that. Um, but the, the idea is that the, there's just malice on the, and, and malintent from the, the enemy. And that's a representation of how Satan is with God's children today. If you are here and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Satan absolutely hates you. He hates you. He wants to see you miserable. He wants to rob you of all your joy. That is the person that is pictured here. Also, this comes up to address a question that comes up today. Because the people here uh, in, in this account ask the owner, didn't you plant good seed? If you planted good seed, why are there weeds coming up? And a question today, if you talk to people about the existence of God, one question that they're probably going to ask, if God is so good, why is there evil in the world? Looking at this example, we can see that all that is good in this world, it comes from God. And as we look, we see that there, the, uh, you know, as he explains, he talks about this field is being this world. So God is the owner of everything that this world encompasses. And everything that God has put in the world has the intent for good. But it is through the corruption of Satan and the devil that there is evil in this world. Well, why doesn't God do anything about it? Hold up. It's coming. We'll get to that part. But it's interesting, though, as we have these good seeds and as we have uh, this, these weeds growing, we now have the problem of what to do. 
what to do. And so originally the workers wanted to, to pull the weeds. And they said, no, 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 don't do that. Let's let them grow together. And so I, with this, I submit to you that the, these weeds and the wheat grow together. And as we are, as uh, believers and unbelievers share this world, it's our job to try to cohabitate. cohabitate. I think that's right how you say it in English, right? Um, cohabitate. Habit. Habitate, yeah. I'll cut this out on the podcast. Um, it's not our job to judge people's hearts. That's up to God. We, we are in this and we're growing together, but that is just between them and God. Our, God is to, our job is to love God and to love others. And part of loving others is speaking the truth to people about the gospel. It can be done. Um, part of the gospel, sharing the gospel, is letting them know that people are sinners. The Bible says that we're sinners. In Romans 3.23, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't think uh, it takes much self-reflection to realize that uh, a person is a sinner if they're honest with themselves. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She can tell you that I am. She looks very anxious to settle down. It is not our job to judge people's hearts, but we do need to speak truth to them in love and telling people uh, sharing the gospel can be done and can be done in a graceful way. And so... Uh, the good seed, we have the, 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 the world, the, uh, the soil. We have the two sowers, the, the good sower and the evil sower. And then we have the good seeds and the bad seeds. And then we also have the harvest is talked about here. And the harvest is the end of the age. And Jesus identifies the harvest as the time where the earth is finished. The, the judgment is coming. And in the Old Testament, they often use the image of the harvest for the last judgment at the end of the age. And so there's going to be a time where the question about evil in this world, God is going to take care of that. And the good and the bad will be separated. And the bad is going to be bundled together and thrown into the lake of fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that sounds awful. And actually, it, because it is. Um, and this is also the fate of the believers and the unbelievers. And it says, God will weed out of his kingdom evil and sin. Um, one day there will be an end to evil and sin and a new heaven and earth will be perfect in every way and that's the first thing that Jesus says about the fate of believers and the unbelievers. God will weed out his kingdom and everything that causes sin and does evil. And all those who cause sin and do evil will be weeded out as well. And God and his angels will throw them into the fiery furnace that will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And as I said earlier, this is a problem because we are all sinners. And in uh, Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. And so what we, because we're sinners and what we earned 
We earned this punishment of death. But the verse goes on and says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he took upon our payment for our sins. He took that payment on him so we didn't have to. And it's when we accept his free gift of salvation that we can have eternal life. And I love how that verse puts it. But the gift of God is eternal life. Yesterday I was at a birthday party. Best thing about birthday parties are the presents, right? And so the great thing about the presents and a birthday party and receiving gifts is that you don't do anything to deserve them. You were just born. You didn't even have anything to do with that. But here is this gift, and I love that picture when it talks about salvation. We don't have to do anything to earn it. And not only is it a free gift, it says it's a gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life. It says, in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not in doing good works. It's not in coming to church. It's not in being baptized. It's not in doing things. It's not in checking off lists. It's in Jesus Christ. It's what he did for us. That takes a whole lot of pressure off. It takes a whole lot of pressure off. And when we accept that free gift, I don't know about you, but when it comes to Christmas time, I get really nervous really nervous about getting gifts. I love getting gifts, but I get nervous because I feel like I have to reciprocate. I, I don't know if anyone identifies with me. Like, I'm an awful gift giver. It's not, my, it's not my love language is giving gifts. I will receive gifts all day. <laughs> but my love language is not to give gifts. So it puts a lot of pressure with me because I feel like I have to do something and the thing is, with, with this, there's nothing we can do to give back. There's nothing we can do to give back. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says this. It says, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring light to what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of hearts. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. There is a time to where this is going to end. The harvest will come. It'll be too late to make a decision. And we will be separated based on the motives of the heart. And so it, it's our prayer here at Hope Church that everyone in here realizes that they can just take off the burden that they have of trying to perform, of trying to complete this checklist, and just accept the free gift that God has given to them, the free gift of salvation, just simply by believing in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and trusting that that was sufficient to pay for your sins. And at the end of that, those people who make that decision to make Jesus the forgiver of the sins and the leader of their lives, it says in verse 43, it says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. 
He who has ears, let him hear. That's great news. That's great news. The gospel is good news. When we read about judgment sometimes uh, in Scripture, we think that it's, it's bad news. No. For the believer, it is good news. You do not have to be punished for your sins. Jesus paid that price, and when you trust him as your forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, you will shine like the sun in the kingdom of your Father forever. That is the little slice of the kingdom of God that Jesus wants to show us today. And if you're here and you have questions and you don't quite understand what it means to, to, to ask Jesus to save you, I would love to talk about that with you afterwards. Someone on staff at the church would love to talk about that. with. I would love to grab a coffee with you at, uh, sometime during the week and just open up the Bible and, and let you uh, share with you how you can know that you can be with Jesus in heaven when, when after uh, you pass on from this life. That is the slice of the kingdom that Jesus wants to share with us this evening. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your message, Lord. We thank you for your word. Father, I just uh, thank you, Lord, for this slice of heaven that we get to see. Father, I just uh, pray right now, Lord, that if there's anyone who is just unsure of their standing before you, Lord, that they would just call out to you to be saved. Lord, give them the courage to uh, say something to either myself or someone on staff, Lord. And Father, we just pray that today can be the salvation the day of salvation for them. Father, you are so good to us, Lord. We thank you that you paid the price for our sins. We thank you for loving us. And Father, because you loved us, Lord, we can love others. Help us to do that. Help us to lift our heads up and see who we can share the good news of your gospel with, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.